0: Are there any chronic sinus and allergy sufferers out in the audience today? Amen. No, oh me. I'm sorry. I'm there with you. I don't have to tell you life's difficult (laughs) and tough sometimes. Uh, I mean, really, life is tough. It's tough. There's a lot of decisions to be made. There are a lot of sadnesses. There's a lot of brokenness. There is a lot of things that are difficult for us in life, but I want this to wash over us this morning. These are, this is true. You need to hear this. This is, doesn't, just, doesn't this just belong on an afghan or a dinner plate. This is truth. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me besides still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Not for just for our good, but for his namesake. sake. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for he is with us. His rod and staff, they comfort us. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil and our cup overflows. And here, listen, hear this. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Goodness and mercy will follow me all of the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is God, and God has always used shepherds to lead his people. Look at Moses. When God found him, he was on the run watching sheep in some godforsaken place in a bush caught fire and he came after Moses to lead his people out of bondage then what happens they picked the, they picked the runt of the litter king david or david to become king in Saul's place and he became a man he was a man after God's own heart and he was a king who led God's people but those men were imperfect But God used them anyway because God uses shepherds. The reason God uses shepherds is because God himself is a shepherd. And David, in Psalm 23, under the inspiration of the Spirit, he says something that's in the Old Testament a lot, that the Lord is my shepherd. He cares for his sheep, his sheep being the people. And the fulfillment of all this is that Jesus comes in John chapter 10, our text for today. And as we look at the I am statements again, as we have for the last several weeks, we're going to see in John ten eleven that Jesus is the good shepherd. And in saying this, he is yet again saying, I and the father are one. I am one with the father. Jesus is God. Do you ever have a Jehovah's Witness come to your door? They're going to try to 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 argue with you about Jesus being God out of one or two verses. But if you read the Bible and you know the Bible, it's screaming at us everywhere that Jesus is God. I mean, there's there's a situation, Mark chapter 4, where Jesus is in a boat and he's out, and the boat's about to sink, and his disciples are in death con 4. We're going to die! The waves are crashing over this boat on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is so big that you probably, where they were, they couldn't see land. All they saw was death from drowning, which has to be one of the worst ways to die. And they wake him up and say, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to drown. What does he do? He gets up and he says, stop, storm. And you know what it does? It stops we've had a lot of hurricanes lately. Had a lot of rainstorms. Next time it rains and you don't want it messes up your day, ruins your plan, I want you to walk outside. I want you to point your finger up at the heavens real defiantly and I want you to say, "Stop it!" See how far that gets you. <laughs> he's God in the flesh and he's the good shepherd. He's again it screams at us. It screams. He's greatness. His deity. All who he is. It yells at us. It's it's so loud, but we are so deaf. Apart from him opening our eyes. And Jesus, in John chapter ten, says, John chapter ten verse eleven says this: "I am the good shepherd." It's no koinky dink, okay? That this is connected to Psalm twenty-three. Jesus knew the Old Old Testament very well. He knows it. He says, "I am the good shepherd." The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. So Jesus being this good shepherd. We need to understand this this morning. God has always just regularly used this image of God being the shepherd. Jesus has a fulfillment of this. He's the good shepherd coming to lead his sheep. Again, you know who the sheep are? It's his people. The reason that we're compared to sheep. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen sheep? If you see them from a distance, they're really beautiful creatures. they like, you know, they got cotton balls like glued to them. I guess, you know, got that nice wool sweater going on. But when you get closer, <laughs> they stink, <laughs> okay? They're not very bright, They don't have a lot of defense mechanisms, okay? They really don't. They need someone to lead them. And that is the people of God. They're beautiful to the sight of the shepherd, but they need protection and guiding. And I want you to know this today. You need that. You need the Lord to lead you. I'll ask you this question. You probably tried to live your own life, lead your own way. How's that working out for you? Has that been a good thing when you follow your own way or your own path? Has that always been successful? Has that led you to paths of righteousness? Has Has that led you to joy? Has that led you to peace? Has that led you to goodness? Probably not. But there is one who has a better way for you. And I want us to look at the good shepherd and I want us to note some things about him so that you might see him, that you might believe him, and that you might hear his voice and follow him today. So the good shepherd... You see here, he says in verse 11, I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. Verse 12, he says this, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Immediately when I hear these, I think of the old Looney Tunes cartoons. Maybe you're not old enough to hear that, but there was a sheepdog who was the shepherd. you know what I'm talking about? If you don't, go Google this stuff. Okay, go YouTube it and you can find some good quality entertainment. So there was this sheepdog, okay, and he was watching after the sheep. And then what would happen? Inevitably, the wolf would come in sheep's clothing and try to what? Pilfer the sheep kill the sheep. Every time this happens, I think about, every time I read this passage, this is probably says something about me. Every time I read this, Jesus being the good shepherd, I think looney tunes for a little bit, okay? And that whole situation where the, the wolves are constantly trying to steal the sheep. Now, here is a situation where Jesus is talking about he a hired hand, somebody that a that the owner of the sheep hires to watch after the sheep when a wolf comes or danger is present, what's going to happen? He's going to check out and let the sheep scatter. Let the wolves devour the sheep. And why does he do that? He doesn't own the sheep. He's not going to give up his life for these sheep that aren't his. He's just getting a, a salary. He's like, hey, man, it's not worth it. It's just like you can tell. On, like, if you ever seen one of those shows where they show you, like, you know, video footage of crimes being committed, you can tell who owns the convenience store being robbed and who doesn't. You ever notice that before? If you own the convenience store, usually the guy's got a bat or a howitzer back there. He's going to take that guy out. He's like, he, you know, before you know it, the guy I'm trying to rob is getting beat to death, okay? Why? It's his store. You're not taking my stuff. Quack, 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 okay? That makes sense. You can tell the person that's getting minimum wage dude, go ahead. (laughs) Take it all. You want the register? That's fine. I'll call the police 20 minutes after you leave. Don't shoot me. Why? He doesn't own them. And that's what we have here. In this verse, Jesus says he's a good shepherd and he is comparing and contrasting himself with the hired hands. These are not to be thought of as the thieves and robbers and the false teachers that we had seen in the previous section of John 10. This is a different group of people. These are people who have been hired to take care of the sheep. They have the the sheep's best interest in mind. However, they don't own the sheep. And so what we see here in verse 12 is that, that he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not, who doesn't own the sheep, when they sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And then why does he leave? He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. This is actually permitted and talked about in the law of God. In Exodus chapter 22, verse 13, it says that if somebody, you give somebody your livestock to watch, and a wolf comes, or some predatory animal comes, and kills it. As long as you show that person the evidence, they don't, they're not responsible to repay you for that animal that was killed. Further, and this is in in the law that the, that the Jewish law that came later, which was kind of a uh kind of a rule book on top of the Bible called the Mishnah. There's another part where they where another part of the law which says if if somebody is hired to watch a flock of sheep. And one wolf comes, that person is responsible for caring for the sheep. But if two wolf two two wolves show up, you can leave and let them get taken out. Okay? You think about that. That that makes sense. You want to fight some wolves for something that doesn't belong to you? I don't. I don't want to fight wolves in general, but. If you're in this situation with your hired hand, are you going to just lay down your life and give your life for those sheep? Of course not. So what Jesus is saying here is this. He will never run out on his people, like ever, in the face of danger. You know why? Because he's not like some hired hand. He's not like somebody you're paying minimum wage just to watch the sheep. He is the good shepherd, he owns the sheep, he knows them by name, they are his, they are his people, and he will never run out on them, even in the face of calamity and danger. And some of you need to hear that today, because you've had a bunch of people walk out of your life, whether it was a parent, or a spouse, or a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or whatever, you have had people run out on you, and you know how that feels. And I want you to know something, you could be crippled by that, for the rest of your life. And you could go ahead and walk around all the time it's like, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what happened in my background. And I don't, but I want to tell you this. You got a shepherd who can overcome all your issues. And you got to stop killing yourself with that and stop playing the victim because there's better for you out there. I'm telling you this in love because some of you are arrested by your past. And there is a shepherd who will lead you out of your darkness and brokenness and into life, and he won't leave you. You're a sheep. You're his. You don't have a lot of value other than the fact that you are his. And and once he's put his name on you, he won't leave you. You're precious to him now. And he doesn't want you to wallow in your unbelief and wallow in your unforgiveness and wallow in this. I've been left before. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You'll be okay. What happened to you is not okay, but you'll be okay. You know why? Because you now have a shepherd. If you trust in Christ, he will not leave you. When the wolves are at the door, when the darkest nights are coming, he is in control. He has got you. He's out for your good. He won't leave you in the darkness. And you need to know that the good shepherd knows his sheep. He won't leave them. The wolves show up. He's like, let's go. Bunch of wolves show up. He's not like the other guy. Peace. And you see the roadrunner cloud. Okay? That's not what you're going to see. He's like, let's go. In fact, he took our greatest enemy down, which is death and, 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 and the sin that we have that leads us to death. He took it to a cross. He laid down his life, rested to the ground, and killed it because he got up. Oh, man. You don't have to worry about him running out on you. He owns his people. They are his and he won't let them go. Secondly, we see this. He go on in verse going on. He says in verse 12 he says he is a hired hand, is not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. In verse 13 it says he flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. And then we see Going on in verses 14 and 15, he says it again, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This idea that the sheep know the shepherd, and the shepherd knows the sheep, has already been talked about in in John chapter 10. Go back and look in verses 3 and 4, and it says this, that to him, the shepherd, the gatekeeper, opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. So, here's the sitch, okay? Here's the situation. They were in there would be a big group of sheep going back to the image that we see in John the beginning of John chapter 10 there's a big big corral of sheep there's a gatekeeper who watches the sheep a bunch of different shepherds would pay money it was like a sheep garage okay you would pay to put your sheep in the sheep garage okay for somebody else to watch your sheep i know that doesn't make much sense to us okay but we have garages we put things that we want to keep safe and some things that are just junk we put them in our garages right okay so they had these these sheep they put them in the garage and here's what the shepherd would do the gatekeeper he would show up, and I guess he'd have his fob or whatever, or his card, and say, hey, those are my sheep, okay? And the gatekeeper said, all right, go get your sheep. You know how he would do it? He wouldn't look for a tag. He'd just go, hey, my sheep. And they'd be like, what's up? Okay? They would know his voice. They wouldn't do what's up because sheep don't talk, but you know what I mean, okay? they He'd be like, he'd make a sound, and he'd have a call, like, hey, sheep. And they'd be like, eh, okay? And they would know his voice, and here's what they would do. You're welcome for that sheep sound, by the way. They would... He would, they would, he would, they would hear him and they would follow him out. And he would lead them around. And they know his voice. And in fact, it also says in this very same passage in John 10 that he knows them by their name. And he has a nickname for each of his sheep. This is not just some, some group. It's not just a, a corporate setting. It's an intimate setting in which Jesus knows his sheep. And they know him. Now, many of you today, maybe you come in with a little cynicism. I'm naturally cynicism. I'm naturally cynic. I'm a natural cynic, okay? I guess it was my, by nature. I'm contrarian, too. You tell me to do something, I'm like, no. Why? <laughs> okay? Just almost immediately, because I want to think it out. And many of you are today I was like, how can I know Jesus? You come in here with this inner cynicism, which is maybe you. How can I know him? I have never seen him. I've only heard stories about him. How can I know him? Well, I want you to know this. He has spoken definitively through the Bible. It is his very word. It is, it's come through men, but those men were moved by the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity. And they were moved to write exactly what we needed so that we have the very words of God that we need and I want you to know this how do we know him we know him by knowing his character we see his character in what he's done in the past we see that he is fully God by the way he controls the winds and the wave we see that he's control in control of the natural world because he speaks and the storm stops we know that he's in control of the supernatural world because he calls out the demons they tremble and he can cast them wherever he wants to cast them in pigs in one situation to drown the pigs You know why? Because that's Jesus. He is Lord of it all. We also know this, when we are in our darkest moments, we hear stuff like Psalm 23. And there is something, if you are the biggest cynic here, there is something in us that knows the truth that we do need a shepherd to lead us that we can't do it on our own. As much as we try to save face and say, I can do this on my own, we know that we can't. We know that there's no way for our sins to be taken care of. We know if we led to our own path, we would go straight to hell, and our life on earth would be hell until we reached eternal hell. That would be how it was. But here, here we see yet again that we know him because we've seen him clearly. And not only that, if you've ever walked through the dark valley with him, you know how true his words are. I do. I think back now, and sometimes when despair creeps up, I think back about how the Lord has spoken clearly through his word in some of my darkest moments. That he was shepherding me and leading me even when I had failed and I had fallen and it all seemed dark. I know the presence of the Lord. Yes, I have not seen Jesus. When I die, I will get to see him. Unless he comes before that happens, I'll get to see him face to face. But until then, I know him because I've seen his character in his face, in his word. And I've seen his truth proved over and over again in my life. And if you are a believer and you've walked with him for any time, you could say the same thing. Yeah, I hadn't seen him. He's been risen for 2,000 years. I hadn't seen him, not on the earth. But I know that he is here, and I felt his tender comfort and care in his word and felt it in my spirit because of him moving through it. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. And here is the knowledge that we have. It's not just that we know the shepherd and the shepherd knows us. It goes on even further in in verse 15. It says this, that just as the Father knows me, And I know the Father. So here's how we know Jesus. We know we can know Him as intimately as God the Father knows God the Son. Now I know we're talking about the Trinity again. I want you to make clear the word Trinity is not in the Bible. However, it is describing God as one God. There's only one God who exists eternally in three persons. That's confusing. But have you ever seen a duck billed platypus? That's a weird animal right? It's very strange. If I were to, if I was just off the cuff and you'd never seen one before and I was like, you got like, you got like this beaver thing, okay, like an animal and it's got a duck bill on it <laughs> and it lays eggs and it's got web toes. You'd be like, if you've never heard of it before, like that doesn't exist. It can't exist. That's the, that's the weirdest creature of all time. It does exist. So how do you describe to somebody what a duck bill platypus is? You just start describing its parts. It's got a duck bill, and it's furry, and it lays eggs. And this is going to be probably the most out there. But I think this will help you, okay? You know what we're doing when we talk about God in three persons in the Bible, one God in three persons? We're just describing what's in the text, and we're doing it the best we can. Because we know this. We know Jesus is God. It's all over the the Bible. We also know the Father is God, and they're, they're distinct from each other. You know how we know that? Because the Son is on the earth talking to the Father who's in heaven. They're distinct, but they're completely, they, they have their essence, they're the same, that the Son is God, the Spirit is God, and the Father is God. They're all one God, but they're in different persons. We're just describing, we're like, we're like, this is what our God's like. We can't describe it. He's so awesome. It's kind of like describing the duck platypus. Here's the parts. Here's how they fit together. You might not need to know how it all goes together, but you got to know this. It's very clear that the Father is God, and the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. They're all God, and they're working together for our good and for, for, for their glory, for His glory. You see it throughout the Bible. It's everywhere. And so what do you see here is this, that we know the shepherd as God's people, the way That the good shepherd Jesus knows the Father. And that is a an amazing amount of intimacy. You may have heard this before. This is I'm gonna give you an example of bad theology. Theology means this. Theology means the study of God. Okay? So here's some bad theology. And I've heard it a lot. And it makes me want to throw things when I hear it, okay? It's so dumb. And here's what it goes. Here's how it goes. Do you know why God made people? You know why? 'Cause Because he was up in heaven and he was lonely. This exists. And this is stupidity of the highest order. He was lonely, so he just made some people so he could not be lonely. Because God's that needy. Uh, that is vomit-worthy bad doctrine. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God and three persons, had such joy within themselves and such completion within the Godhead, one God, that they made the world out of their joy. And they made the whole plan for their glory and out of the one God's joy. That's how much we can know God. This joyful relationship that we could have with him. Because here's the thing, the sheep... Know the shepherd. The shepherd knows the sheep, and it's in the same way the father knows the son, and he lays down his life for the sheep. There is a level of communion that we can know with the Lord that is available to us through the Son of God, the Good Shepherd. That boggles the mind because some of you right now are thinking, "I'm scratching my head. I don't understand that completely." I just want, if if you had to put, if I had to put a bow on it and some summarize that, it's this. There's a relationship available to you the God that is so intimate and real that it will blow your mind. It is on par with the relationship of the persons of the Godhead. He knows his people and his people know him, which means he knows everything about you. He knows your secret sin. He knows he knows where you struggle. He knows where you succeed. He knows what you're trying to hide. He knows what those those hurts that you cannot speak. He knows when he needs to convict you of sin. He knows you intimately. He knows you. And you can know him by running to his word. He is a good shepherd and he is intimate. The God of the universe, the God of the galaxies, the God who set in motion the the very solar eclipse we just saw and went gaga over. That God, the God of the cosmos, is intimate with his people. That's unbelievable news. And yet we still want to walk our own way. It boggles our minds. Going on, we see this in verse 16. It says this, And I have other sheep... That are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so that there will be one flock and one shepherd. He says, "I have sheep that are not of this fold." He's obviously talking about this. He's speaking at this point specifically to people who were Jewish in origin and had and were following quote unquote the Jewish religion. What Jesus is referring to is something that the, the prophets have called for for a long time, which is the inclusion of the Gentiles in the people of God. Now, I want you to know this. If you are not Jewish, you are a Gentile. Okay, just so you know that. If you are not Jewish, you are a Gentile. And there, is this, there has been this prophecy, and it's been going on, that God is going to bring the Gentiles, the rest of the world, into the people of God. And so Jesus is here saying, I have other sheep, other people who will come to trust me and know me and be part of my flock, other people of God who are not here, they're outside, and I will bring them to me. They will hear my voice. They will hear my voice, and they will come, and I'll be one shepherd and one flock. God is going to make together these two groups, and this is where it goes. Jesus, as the good shepherd, he won't run out on his people. He knows his people, and his people know him, and now we know this. Jesus is on the hunt for missing people. Right now, there's something that will override the silent mode on your phone. You know what that is? An Amber Alert. We've heard it a bunch of times in here, okay? And everybody, as soon as the Amber Alert comes on, what does it do? Some of you checked your phone. Just was like, oh, is it off? Okay. All right. I don't know. Mine might be on my bag. I don't know. We'll find out, okay? But the Amber Alert goes off. what What is it telling you? There's a missing child. Here's what the car they're in. Here's who they're with. Here's what's suspected. Why do they put out the Amber Alert? Because the kid's missing. Can you imagine? I can't imagine what it would be like to, to lose a child, like to not know where they are or for them to be abducted. Can you imagine the anxiety? Can you imagine the torture that, that would be? And you'd want them to come back so badly, and you're putting out this information. Bring back these people. And what we have here is Jesus, and this is something, something that was great that was mentioned um, by, by Christy Pennington at our women's thing. I, w- I was there to run sound. I'm not a woman. You know that, okay? But there was she, Christy Pennington came for our women's luncheon yesterday, and she talked about this, that, that when we think about people, we shouldn't think of them as lost necessarily, but as missing Jesus said that there are others, other sheep out there. They may not even know that they're sheep. But he has called them and paid for their sin before the foundation of the world. And now we are to go get them. And he is in the process of getting his sheep, getting his missing sheep from all around. And I want you to know something. There are missing persons everywhere. There are missing sheep that belong in the fold. There are those out there who who are called according to his purpose. And he has given his saints, his people, the job of joining hands with Jesus and seeking out the lost sheep and bringing the missing people in. There are people that belong in the people of God, that they're out there. and So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to proclaim the good shepherd to them that they might come in. There's people in Hartsville right now who need to hear his voice. They're missing persons. They have been called out. They have been chosen by God, and it is our duty to go out and to share the good news so they might come into the sheepfold. Oh, man. You know, I think a lot of times when we get, we get caught up in church about... We just need to grow a bit bigger. A lot of times, sometimes churches grow and get bigger. You know how they do it? By taking other sheep from other shepherds, under other under-shepherds. They do they just swap members back and forth, okay? They do this like, All right, we're gonna put up a roller coaster over here so we can get more people in our church, okay? We're gonna have six flags over Jesus over here. And so we wanna make all the other people leave leave all of their their churches as not as cool as ours and come over here. It happens in college churches all the time. It's like there's one college minister that everybody goes to, and here's the thing What are you accomplishing? Nothing. You're just wasting your money. What we want to see and what the people of God want to see is the work of God going out and other people who are lost, then they hear the gospel and they hear his voice, that they would come in and be part of the sheepfold. And that is not just my job or the elder's job. That's all of our jobs if we are his sheep. Because he has other sheep out there. Ah, oh, and you don't know who that could be. That's why you just promiscuously share the gospel. That's the, only kind of, that's the only kind of promise beauty we'll support here, okay, is the promiscuousness of the gospel. I mean, you just share it everywhere. Just share it everywhere. I was telling, I've been carrying a lot of burdens I don't need to be carrying lately, and it's been showing up in my shoulders. So I was walking like this, and I was having headaches. I had like this. Huge knot in my shoulders, so I went to get a massage. So I showed up at this place, and I was like, This, like, the lady's like, Are you okay? I was like, I got a hunchback, okay? She's like, All right, we'll take care of you. So this, this lady, she's in her 60s, and we're talking, and I'm getting a massage. And if you've ever had a massage before, you are you don't really want to talk to that person, you want to love them in Jesus' name, but you want them to like help you not feel like garbage, okay? And you're just like, Oh, okay. And we've been studying this book, sharing Jesus Stop Freaking Out. We've been asking for opportunities and for us to be brave enough to extend them. Well, this lady just decides to open up to me about her husband passing away a year ago. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> I have to share Jesus now. And I just wanna just get the knot out. I know. You think you're the pastor, you should have been jumping at that, okay i got problems. Pray for me, okay? And So I'm there, and she's she's doing that. And all, and then she goes, you know, this world is just so broken. And I'm like, oh, man, opening the door. I said, it sure is broken. And she started talking about how, how much hate there is in the world. You know how people do when they start talking about their life, and they start opining, and they start seeing the difficulties. And she says, man, I've you see all this hate on television. You see all this kind of stuff. And then, you know what? In me, I'm just saying, you gotta say something, you gotta say something, but the other part of me is going, just shut up. Enjoy the massage. So there's this war going on. And then finally, I just I just said, you know, this world is broken, and it's not gonna change unless Jesus gives men and women new hearts. Got really quiet. Because I'm (laughs) it's very holistic at this one. Okay. It's very there's crystals there, okay? It's a little it's a little out there. Okay. And that stopped the conversation for a second. However, though, the Lord had ordained this and she goes and she changed the subject and she says, "Well, you know, my my mother-in-law, she just passed away." And I was like, "I mean, I'm really sorry about that." I mean, this this lady's got some serious burden that she is carrying. And my my mother in law just passed away, man, she treated me so bad. I don't know why the shift happened there, but it did. And and she and she said she's all all she cares about. She's loaded. All she cares about is money. And then what I, I didn't know what else to say, but I just said this, man, I tell you what. Jesus said you can't serve God in money. Either love one God or you'll hate the other one. I don't know where that lady is. I know follow up is necessary which is going to be suffering for Jesus to get another massage to share Jesus okay she hears this message she might not book me anymore like that God's going to try to witness to me okay but we don't know where those people are but we know that we have this good shepherd and that he has sheep out there in Trousdale County in Lebanon in Mount Juliet Gallatin and Tennessee in the southeast the northeast, all throughout the country, and everywhere. We know every nation, tribe, and tongue will be represented in worshiping the Lamb, the Good Shepherd, at the end. And we get a partner in that, and it is not just my job, it is your job, it is our job as the sheep to go to make much of the one shepherd, so there can be one flock, one shepherd, Jesus. And then we see Finally, and this is the major point here, is that Jesus has come to lay down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd has come to lay down his life for the sheep. Look with me in verse 17. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. If you look back in verse 11, it says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. If you go and you look again in verse 15, what does it say? Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. It's repeated again and again. Verse 17, what does it say? For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. And this charge I have received from my Father. And so I want you to get this really quickly and really clearly, hopefully, that Jesus, as the good shepherd, the number one thing he does is he comes and he lays down his life. What is he doing that for? You go back up to the beginning and he says, "What, what happens? The hired hand runs away when the wolves come. What happens? The good shepherd lays down his life. The greatest wolf in your life is your sin. There's a lot of other people that are wolves too. Maybe wolves in sheep's clothing. But they're all doing the work of their father, the devil. And I want you to get this. This is very clear. Your sin is, has you in great danger. But the good shepherd laid down his life. And he bore sin. And he rose again. That you might have victory and safety from that. That is him. So you follow him, you you repent of your sins, you believe and you follow. And some of you in this room, you need to do that. You need to repent and believe and trust him. You need to turn from your sin. Your sin is not good for you, your sin is bad for you. And you are in grave danger, but the shepherd laid down his life so that you might have life. And I want you to know this, if you ever doubt the love of God, you look no further than a bloody cross to see it. I got cancer it's bad i don't know where he is. He died on the cross for you. You have eternal life. You might get healing now. you might not, but he paid the price that you'll know him forever and you 'll live beyond this life. He loves you i've been- t- I've been turned away from by my family they They don't love me because I love him. It feels dark. Where is he? He was on the cross. He loves you. He loves you. He cares. He protected you to death. There's not a lot of people I'd die for. I would definitely not die for an enemy, but Jesus died for his enemies. Those who told him to take a long walk off a short pier, I'll do things my way. He died for his enemies. He loves and he cares. And that is him. The good shepherd lays down his life. He won't leave you in danger. The greatest danger is sin. He has beat it. Done. Sin and death are no more. They're crushed. Yes, we still cry about them. Yes, we still endure them. But one day is coming when he will reign. His reign will be in complete, full force reality. And we won't see it anymore. And tears are going to get wiped away. We don't need Kleenex anymore. Or the new heavens and the new earth, baby. That's an industry that will be gone. When we see this, then not only that, we see that he is, when Jesus lays down his life, he's in loving, pleasing relationship to his Father. We see that again in, in verse 17. What does it say? For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again the father loves the son because he's obedient to the father he submits to the father and what is the father and the son's plan is for the son to lay his life down so that people could have forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sin so jesus had to come pay the price be the substitute we sinned as human beings jesus came as a human so and fully god so that he could pay the ultimate price for sin and the father smiles on him and jesus lays down his life in perfect submission to the father and so know this, Jesus is completely pleasing to God. The, the Pharisees and religious leaders, they did not think Jesus was pleasing to God. They found error in him. But those who hear his voice, we see in Jesus that he is completely pleasing to the Father. We also see this, that Jesus is willing to lay down his life. Verse 18 says, no one takes it from me, but I lay down my life on my own accord. Here's the deal. Life is taken all the time. Car accidents. Cancers, any form of disease, random heart attack, aneurysm, anything, life's taken. People murder one another, people accidentally commit acts you know the you know manslaughter different things lives are taken see here's jesus he doesn't nothing could take his life from him showing his authority but he laid it down on his own accord so if you want to know this the the son of god was willing to obey the father and was willing to go to the cross for those of his people for his people he didn't do it begrudgingly he didn't do it like, have you ever had your child like really just ask for something over and over and over and over and over and over again? You know, I love being a dad, but there's a couple of times and a couple of things that make me just want to go, stop! And one of that is, dad, 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 dad. What, Judson? You got my juice! Five minutes, man. I'll get you some juice, okay? I love him, but I just want to punt him at that point, okay? I do. I don't. I resist the urge to punt, okay? I want it. Why? It just becomes. It becomes just kind of this infuriating thing. This. <laughs> I, I'm. I'm angry about. I, I get. You get just annoyed with it. You ever been there? The Father doesn't become doesn't and what do you do? You get the juice begrudgingly, right? Because you just had enough. Finally, like, fine, I'll get the juice. I know I was in the middle of something. I was putting together something for you. I you want me to get the juice? I'll get the juice. That is not how Jesus went to the cross. I guess I'll do this. I mean you see what they're doing. You see what they're doing. You see all the sin. No. He went to the cross, he laid it down willingly to obey the father and for the love of his sheep. He wasn't like the annoyed dad is finally, like, I'm so t- sick and tired of these people messing up. I better do something to make them better. He willingly laid down his life for the sheep in r- verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. And then it goes on. I have authority to lay it down. You and I get our, can have our lives taken from us at any moment. We don't have authority to lay it down. Even when we take our life, we are, we are usurping God's authority when we take our life. Jesus had the authority to lay it down, and then this is something we definitely don't have. He has the authority to take it up. So Jesus lays down his life for the sheep, and he has the authority over death. and So he can break death's bonds. If I had the authority over death, I mean, it would be amazing to raise people up, wouldn't it? I mean, death is so final. At least on an earthly level, it's such a sad goodbye. And since I've been up here and watching the way that they bury people here, and you stay the whole, like in Florida, you kind of, it was, you left, and they covered the coffin, and they buried it. Here you wait and you watch, and you hear the sounds of the dirt hitting the casket, and you see it just pounded down, and they put the grass over it. And at first it was very shocking to me. And it still is so sad to watch people you love go through that. And even to know that it's coming your way and it's coming to people you love's way. But to know that Jesus has authority over death and that if he is raised he will raise his people is joy in the darkest and the blackest of moments. I I want... I want all of you and myself included to follow this good shepherd. He's unspeakably great. He's unspeakably loving and he cares more than you know. There's a knowledge of God that's available to all of us that comes through the good shepherd that we can't comprehend. He willingly laid down his life. He didn't do it begrudgingly. Wasn't annoyed. He laid down his life and he has the authority to take it up. He's the good shepherd that laid down his life for the sheep. And here's the call this morning. We have a baptismal service scheduled for next week. If you've come to the place where you've trusted Christ and you've turned from your sins and you want to follow him in baptism and saying you are one of the people of his pasture, we invite you to come and talk to an elder. Kevin will be down here. I'll be down here at the front. We'd love to talk to you about that. Secondly, if you're here today, you might feel lost broken, don't know where to go, I invite you to turn your trust to him today. Our unbelief and our hearts say, don't trust him. He's not in control. But the word of God says he's the shepherd and he'll lead us. Turn from that. want we'll gonna do this. We're going to invite the, um, we're going to invite the communion team forward and we're going to pass out communion. And as we do that, I ask you to take a moment and just to think about the Lord as your shepherd. On the, the night before, the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. He was gathered with his disciples in the upper room. And he took bread when he had broken. He said, this is my body broken for you. And the same night, he took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant, my blood, taken and drink." As often as we do this, we proclaim that the Lord, that the good shepherd laid down his life for us until he comes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Move us and change us and let us follow you as the shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would stand, I want to speak this word of truth over us today. Because our Lord is the good shepherd, Know this, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a promise to a sheep. Go in that good news. You're dismissed.